Amen. Joshua chapter 6, beginning with chapter 5. Let's read a couple verses out of chapter 5. I just love it. Look at verse 13 of chapter 5. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that's where we're going, we're going to Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man who stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. There is no chapter break. There is no division in the original book. It just keeps going. Let's read the next two verses. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said, is it the Lord speaking to Joshua's heart as he did, as he did to Moses? Listen, or is it the commander of the Lord's army continuing this conversation with Joshua? We don't know. But the commander of the Lord's army just came to Joshua with his sword out, engaging this leader and said, take your shoes off and worship. And Joshua did so. He did so because Joshua needed in this moment desperately to be humble, listen, and to find himself intimately connected with Jesus, listen, before he walked in the victory that was about to be handed to him. <sighs> because if Joshua wasn't humbled first by taking his shoes off and being face to face with the commander, and if Joshua didn't have this face-to-face -face connection to Jesus, Joshua no doubt would have ran right into battle and succeeded against wimpy old Jericho. It wasn't that big of a city. Most historians believe that Jericho was on a eight-acre parcel, okay? Smaller than the piece we just bought. 12 to 20,000 people crammed in there. The walls were high and it was a dense population. Most likely though, Joshua with his millions and millions of Israelis that were ready to march in could have taken this place. And so God said, hey, Joshua, I wanna humble you first. I want you to go lower. I want you to get closer because I'm gonna give you the victory. I'm gonna do for you what only I can do. But in the end, I need you, Joshua, to know it was me, not you, amen? I need you to know that in your marriage, in your ministry, and in your success, I need you to know that it's not you, but it's me, says the Lord. How many of you guys are humble enough right now to say, oh man, I'm so aware of my inadequacies, my iniquities, my shortcomings and my failings that if there, <laughs> I'm laughing now, if there's anything good in my life whatsoever, it's not me, it's all him. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen, it's hilarious that God would call you, that God would call me to do anything great at all. But let's be honest, our pride is still there. It gets in the way sometimes. We know who we are, we know who we've been, but you know what, we're getting better, pretty good at this thing. And so what God chose to do to the children of Israel was to circumcise them, to cut away the flesh, to deal with them, which is not a very good military strategy to put your mighty men of valor into this medical condition of healing, unless it's not really about your mighty men of valor, as much as it is about, listen, obedience to the Lord, intimacy with the Lord, and humility before the Lord. For if you humble yourself before the Lord, he'll lift you up in due season. He'll give you the victory. He'll lead you on. But what he asks from us to do is to make much of him, not much of ourselves. And it's so easy to make much of ourselves until you find yourself circumcised, until you find yourself humbled, until you find yourself dealt with in the flesh. And the Lord is so faithful 
to constantly do that. Can you imagine the children of Israel, 40 years walking, there's Jericho, Jordan River, and right before they go in, they're like, let's go. Oh, wait, one more, one last thing. A little, little paperwork, a little clerical issue. You need to, you know, submit your circumcision card before you go in. And nobody's got one. They all need to be medically treated in this way in order to be humble, to walk obediently. God knows what he's doing, and he does this in so many different ways in our lives. He wants us to have victory. He wants us to possess the land. As a matter of fact, if you're a note taker, there's notes in the backs of your chair. If you want to write this down as the sermon title, you could title this sermon this way. This is uh, Joshua 6, Possessing What You Possess. See, God's already promised them victory. He's already promised them the land. But the reality is there is a process of possessing that which we possess. God's given to us promises, great and amazing promises in Christ. But if you know what's going on, you still have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's things that God has guaranteed you, promised you, and provided for you, but it's not until you get up off your blessed assurance and do something that you can apprehend and possess those possessions, amen? The principles of God and nature and creation and spirituality have put, been put in place. It's just the way it is. But when we disobey those principles and do our own thing, it doesn't go the way that we want. But when we submit to God's principles and God's ways, then God's favor, God's mercy, and God's fruit is born in our life. Possess your possessions. He's given you the land. Sweet, let's go. No, you got to do some things first. Oftentimes in premarital counseling or marriage counseling, I'll use an illustration of owning a gold mine as being married. Wouldn't it be awesome if you owned a gold mine? How many guys would love to own a gold mine? Three of you, wow. This must be the single crowd here this morning, you know. Owning a gold mine would be awesome. You know what's better than owning a gold mine? Gold, gold, way better, way better. But you can get gold if you own a gold mine and you do the work that that gold mine will produce. And so within marriage or in ministry or in faith, God says, I'm giving you all the principles. You do this, you work, you mine it out. I promise you, you will have treasure. And one of the things that we must keep doing as Christians, he's promised to go before us, he's promised to never leave us, he's promised to be with us, he's promised to be for us, all these things. But he says, you have to constantly mine out and deal with the flesh. The issues that keep coming up. I asked you this last week. How many of you guys, since becoming a believer, since becoming spirit-filled, since maybe even joining a ministry team, since being used powerfully, even after all that, have also seen large amounts of the flesh evidenced and exposed in your life at one time? Like, what the heck is that about? I'm in the promised land, spirit-filled, I'm saved. What's this? Stuff. Got to mine out those things. Deal with those issues. And when and if we continue to look at the flesh in our lives and bring it to the Lord, he is faithful to bring us in. Jesus called Simon Peter to be a fisher of men and he said that he would then build his church on Peter's confession. Big claims from Jesus to Pete. Okay, Pete was a big wig. And yet on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, tonight you're gonna have a real rough night. It's gonna be the worst night of your life. But when you're restored, would you strengthen the brethren? Now, if you just stop and zoom way out, you're like, wait a minute, I'm about to sin? I'm about to have something bad happen? Wouldn't it be better, Jesus, if that never happened? And yet Jesus says, well, you're Pete, Pistol Pete. (laughs) Peter Piper picked a peck, you're Pete. Hand and foot, you're you're Pete. You're always saying stupid stuff, Pete. You got a gift of gab and it gets you in trouble, man. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let you fall. What? I'm gonna let you stumble. What? I'm gonna let you get embarrassed. As a matter of fact, in a few verses, Pete, you're going to weep bitterly. What? Why? Why would, this, why would, why would you allow this, Lord? Well, because I want to use you. Okay. You mean even in my weeping bitterly and my great failures, I'm not disqualified from being used greatly? No. No. It's part of the process. 
It's part of the preparation. I remember in 1996, my senior year as a wrestler at Newport High School, Coach Dave O'Donnell, who is now in heaven, he had me wrestle up a few weight classes in the first tournaments of the year. And in the first tournaments of the year, I got beat a lot because I was wrestling wrestlers, you know, twice as heavy, not twice as heavy, but much heavier than me. And I remember my goal as a wrestler, senior year, was to have a spotless record. I wanted to go into state and districts and all that with a spotless record, which actually doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is districts and state. You can go into districts and state with a losing record and still win, but I had so much pride as a coach. If I wrestle this guy, there's a chance he's gonna beat me. And the coach just smiled and said, well, go get beat well. <laughs> wrestle. Coach knew better that the record that was so precious to me that meant nothing wasn't as important as the failures that I would undergo wrestling heavier opponents, stronger foes, and learning how to navigate through that in preparation for what actually mattered. God will let you fail. He'll let you suffer. Calculated sufferings, calculated difficulties, because God sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's going on. We're so limited in our scope. We're so limited in our understanding. We see what's happening. How could this be? This is horrible. This is, this is a nightmare. This is bad. And the Lord runs to your side with tears in his eyes and he holds your hands. I know. Don't let go of me. Don't let go of me. We're not staying here. We're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We're not gonna stay here. Next time you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, a difficult time, don't buy property there. <laughs> don't look around. Don't make friends there, you know. Don't join a life group in the valley of the shadow of death. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death, get to the other side. Maybe some of you are there right now. And, and what's going on in that valley? Humility. The Bible says, humble yourself inside of the Lord, he'll lift you up. <laughs> Humbling yourself is such a good idea. Because if you don't humble yourself, the Lord will. Won't he? He will. And I've just learned at this point in my life that either if I don't do it, he'll do it. Either way, it must be done. Have your way, Lord. Please help me to be aware of what's going on, lest I freak out and spaz out. Help me to humble myself. Help me to get there. And when humility happens, the goal then is that intimacy would be the fruit. Please, if you don't have intimacy with the Lord right now, if that's not what happened, because the Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to those who are broken in spirit and to those who are crushed in their soul, and God is near to you. And if you're not walking intimate with the Lord right now, then you might have to go around that test, around the block, take that class one more time until that's what's born in your life. Humility, intimacy will lead to victory. If you do not have humility and you do not have intimacy and yet you strive for and even achieve victory, woe is you. It's gonna be even harder in that fall. May the Lord have his way in us. There's nothing beautiful or nothing painless about circumcision or humility, but it leads to intimacy and it leads to victory, and this is what the Lord wants to do in our life. Now, we've been studying this for weeks. I intend to get to chapter six. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's 30, 10, 08. We're gonna do it though. But I just need to remind you the correlation. Once circumcision happened, five things happened. Number one, they celebrated Passover. They got into the spiritual things. Number two, they enjoyed the fruit of the land. They actually grew up a little bit. Number three, it was under-strengthened or undergirded by the manna ceasing for the first time in 40 years. There was a change and transition. Once the circumcision happened, everything changed for them. And then the last fruit that we see after dealing with the flesh is that Joshua had his flesh dealt with. Now, he wasn't needing circumcision. He was previously circumcised. So the Lord had a powwow with them, a come-to-Jesus moment. Are you for us or against us? Take your shoes off, bro. <laughs> and he humbled himself. 
in the presence of God. And then God began to give him that direction and that hope and that leadership and humility was experienced and achieved. Then came the victory. And you know what else came in that moment? A timely word. Joshua's about to go into battle. How many, don't raise your hand. How many guys are in a battle right now? Everybody, okay, we're all in a battle. You know what you need? A timely word. You need the Lord to speak to you. This week was kind of a rough week. There's all kinds of celebrations and all kinds of difficulties as well. And throughout the entire week, I felt the Lord just kind of piercing my mind with Romans 12 and Colossians 3. Just kind of outside of my Bible routines, outside of what I'm normally reading. He's like, Luke, Romans 12, Colossians 3. Romans 12, Colossians 3. And when I finally took the time to read Romans 12 and Colossians 3, I was like, oh my gosh. This is medicine to my soul. This is light to my path. This is fuel for my journey. This is, this is wisdom to my questions. This is everything I need because God will always give you a timely word. He did that to Joshua. As soon as he got there, he said, hey, take your shoes off. This is what's going on. And in verses one and two of chapter six, God begins to speak to Joshua what's happening. You need to know God's word in your life. His word is paramount. His word speaks beyond your circumstances right now, does it not? It speaks louder than your debt. It speaks louder than your divorce. It speaks louder than your disease. It speaks louder than that death. It speaks beyond all those things because all those things are happening. They're everywhere. It's going crazy out there. What's his word say? And maybe you should read Romans 12 and Colossians 3 today. And God gives him this timely word. On Thanksgiving, it was fun. It was sunny out and, and my family and I were driving around and we went to the... Uh, South Beach Jetty here. And we saw a bunch of people and we pranked Pastor Paul's car a little bit, you know, and it was kind of fun back there. And we did some stuff. And, and this guy saw me, his name's Shelby, and he was here visiting from Idaho and he's surfing. And he goes to church here, he used to go to church here. And he said, hey, how's it going? I saw him, you know, and, and I just talked to him for a little bit. And then we left and then he came and chased me. And I was like, hey, wait, wait, can you pray for me? And he's, he was getting ready to go surfing. And he's a brand new husband and a brand new dad. His wife, Tina, is pregnant for the second time. And he's like, I need help, <laughs> you know? I was like, yeah, you sure do. And, and I... And the Lord gave me a word for him. Right then and there, just a word of encouragement. And it was the word that God gave to Solomon when he was in over his head. And he'd just been given the kingdom and Solomon prays, the Lord, would you give me wisdom to be Solomon? Give me wisdom to be a good leader. And it's a great, simple word for all of us who have issues. But the word came to Joshua in this way. It was a timely word birthed out of circumcision, humility, and intimacy, which was now leading them to the victory. How many of you guys are excited about the victory? You just wanna get there? I wanna get there as well. And when Joshua showed up to Jericho, he looked up and he saw Jesus. I'm so glad he saw Jesus. Last week, I purposed in my heart for at least the first three days. Then I got distracted to no matter what's happening in my life, keep looking up. Everybody, you know, whoop, squirrel, you know. And so he looked up. And when you see somebody powerful or famous, doesn't it do something for you? What's, who's the most famous person you've ever seen? Think, think about it right now. The most famous, powerful person. I was at LAX one time. Kobe Bryant walked by. He had like three bodyguards and maybe a couple girlfriends. I can't remember. But anyway, I think it was his wife. But anyway, I, I, I followed him and I was like, this Kobe Bryant, you know? And I yelled, I said, Kobe! And he looked at me. And I said, Jesus loves you! And he went like this. And he gave me the nod, man. We're best friends, you know? <laughs> and we connected. You ever seen somebody famous that's weird? I remember seeing Mikhail Gorbachev when I lived in Minnesota. His plane flew over. Like, there's a president you know, of Russia, you know, and there's that guy. And saw Obama and I-205 one time and, and all these things. A couple weeks ago, it's interesting though, a friend of mine went to a restaurant and he walked in and Kanye West was sitting right there by himself. Now, this is kind of before Kanye went kind of where he's at right now, but it was like four weeks ago. And when my friend got there, he took a picture of himself, sent it to me, and I felt like me and Kanye were best friends. <laughs> we're not, you know, and, and I, but, I, but I thought I was for a second and... Here's the problem though. When you meet famous people, it can make you elevated in your pride, can it? 
you know somebody, you're name dropping. I mean, I know this person. And it makes you prideful. Listen, when you meet Jesus, it makes you humble. I'm so glad that Joshua met Jesus right here. Could have sent the angel Gabriel or Michael or some other, you know, messenger. And when you meet Jesus, it's this humble confidence where you are seen, special, honored, valued, equipped, and strengthened. You're not alone. And if you know Jesus here this morning, like you, you're, you're, in a, you're in a league all your own. You're, you're I, don't say, I don't know what word to use. There, there's nothing that can touch you. You know Jesus? Yeah. Whoa. And that should create in you a humble confidence that allows nothing to get you off track. And you might want to know a famous person or maybe you do know some famous people. That's fine. But it usually generates pride. This generated humility. And it can do and ought to do the same thing for you and for me. And this timely word comes. Guys, I have no idea how we're going to finish this chapter. But we're going to try. We're going to try. Look at verse 1. He says, now Jericho was securely shut up. <laughs> I didn't say shut up. Securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Stop right there. Eyes up here. The whole city was shut up because of the children of Israel. There was this fear of the Lord going on. There was this awe and respect because of God that ought to be the same response that we see in our world when people see Jesus, when they understand. But notice how the enemy is spinning this. It's a test now. It's a test of their calling. As soon as they show up, go ahead and take over Jericho. As soon as they get there, it's impenetrable. We can't do it. Look at verse two. God says it this way, timely word. And the Lord said, I've got that circle to Joshua. See, exclamation point, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. That's three things. Jericho, high walls, all shut up, none in, none out. Oh yeah, that's yours. Okay, looks a little shut down, Lord. Oh, and the king. There's a king? Like a king king? Like a, a, a king? Yeah, yeah, he's there too. And mighty men of valor? That does not sound very good, Lord. Yeah, now look at him. I am looking at him. And the Lord says, they're yours. It'd be better if they were dead, Lord. It'd be better if they were gone. Like, what's going on here? Listen, it's a test. Your call, the direction that God has on your life. Listen, listen. Especially you who've been a Christian for longer than a year or five or 10 or even 20. The experience you had with the Lord 20 years ago will be tested. It will be tested. And you will ask yourself, was that real when I spoke in tongues? They're in the spirit-filled life now. They're across the Jordan. Was that real when I heard that call in my life? Was that real? Because now I just feel like I'm facing impenetrable cities and kings and foes and difficulties. But that was real. Do you remember Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan River? And he came up out of the water and the dove descended upon him and the voice from heaven said, this is my son. Remember that? What happened immediately after? Starts with T, rhymes with esting. Testing! 40 days. The Bible says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness for 40 days of testing. Do you know the first test he underwent? The, the, the devil himself came to him and said, if you are the Son of God. What? This, by the way, Jesus is the Son of God. And yet, his call, his anointing, the recent baptism and filling of the Spirit that Jesus underwent as 100% man, 100% God, was being tested. You'll be tested too. Did you really take that job? Was it, was it really for you? I think, I think so. God was there. Should I have really moved to this town? Should I have really done what God... I felt that it was the Lord, and now, man, it looks like it's all shut up. Looks like there's no way in, no way out, and it's all a mess, and the Lord smiles at you and says, I didn't make any mistakes. You're being tested. Your faith's being tested. Your call is being tested. Your resolve, and guess what I'm gonna give you? A timely word. 
And so God declares to Joshua, listen, as those things that are not as if they are, Romans chapter four, God sees the end from the beginning. All we see is the beginning. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how it's going to end. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Remember when he saw Gideon, almighty man of valor? Gideon was hiding out in the wine press, threshing grain so he could make himself some bagels. Okay? Read it. That's what he was doing. You don't thresh bread or grain in the wine press. He was doing so because he's scared and God saw him as a mighty man of valor because God sees the end from the beginning and God sees the potential that we have in Christ once we undergo those testings. God declares to Joshua, the city's yours. I need that to settle into you. Right now, what you're looking at may seem daunting, too much. And the Lord, just like Joshua, just like right now says, hey, humble yourself. I'll give you the word. Deal with the flesh. That's actually what I'm working on. In order that we might have greater intimacy, in order that you might walk in a humility, a superior humility that you've never had before. Why? Because I'm gonna give you victory. It's what I do. This encourages me and excites me so much because I'm a little scared of what's gonna happen on the hill. Is anybody else just a little scared? Like, whoa, this is crazy. Can't we just stay here and get some more porta potties? <laughs> porta potties? No, porta you know the Lord's like, no. See the hill, look, it's all there for you. I'm like, oh, it looks like a hill. We need more than that. The Lord says, I got you. Just walk close to me, Luke. Stay humble. And know that the call that you're walking in will be tested. But let God's word wash over you. And the Lord, verse two, said to Joshua, look what's happened. And then he gives to him the next part. Look at verses three through five. Because the first part's crazy enough. There's Jericho. It's all yours. Okay, okay, well, I'm Joshua. I've been doing this for a while. There must be a battle plan. There must be a back road in. There must be a Helm's Deep little gutter. I can go in like the orcs did. I can go in there and take over. You know, if you guys have seen Lord of the Rings too. Anyways, they, there's a way in. Here's God's way in. Check this out. Hold on, verse three. You shall march around the city. Oh yeah, that sounds great. All you men of war. Oh yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that, let's do that. And you shall go all around the city once. Oh, oh, okay, only once, got it, got it. And this you shall do six days. What? Huh? Six days? Okay, so we go around one six. Okay, 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 keep going, God, keep going. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Now right there, Joshua, if he's a good Joshua, would stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, we know that the priests in the ark don't go into battle. We know that. This is not how it's normally done. You know, I appreciate your, your, your counsel, but I am Joshua. I'm kind of, you know, I know what I'm doing. And, and, and yet he keeps going. God doesn't slow down. He tells him what to do. And he says to bring the Ark of the Covenant. He says, but the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priest shall blow the trumpet. So we've got seven times the seventh day with seven priests and seven trumpets. The number of seven means completion and it means fullness and it ultimately points to victory. It ultimately goes back to God when he created the world in six days and on the seventh day enjoyed his victory, enjoyed what he had accomplished. Only he could accomplish that. It goes on in verse five, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout and then, well, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Stop right there, eyes up here. I imagine Joshua looking at the Lord going, you kind of lost me at walk around the wall. And then you said, walk around the wall again. And then you said, just do that. And then you said to walk around the wall and scream. And then you said the walls are gonna fall down flat. Now, does, this, does any of this make sense militarily? Does any of this make sense strategically? None of this makes sense. It doesn't even make sense architecturally. You can scream as loud as you want at these walls. They're not going anywhere. Listen, 
God had designed this plan for a bunch of different reasons. Number one, to allow Joshua an opportunity to walk in faith and obedience. Because if God said it, I believe it. Because if God said it, and I believe it. Because if God said it, and I believe it, better. Well, maybe the 11 will do better than you guys. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And what God said, let's just be honest, in our terms of living life from time to time, it requires a lot of faith. That's crazy. I mean, if you were Josh, you'd be like, Lord, that's crazy. That, what, what, what about my swords? What about the battering rams? You know, what about the elephants? What are we gonna do? The Lord says, well, if you used any of that stuff, I'll bet you when the walls were conquered, you'd pat yourself on the back. This is the very first battle you're gonna win. This is the first fruits. I'm gonna do this one. This is all me. What I require from you is obedience. What I require from you is faithfulness. What you will receive from me is provision and power and perfection like no other. There's nothing different in your life right now. The promises of God, the direction of God, the wisdom of God, the word of God has been spoken to you and given to you and you and your intellectual prowess, you're like, well, I read it, but I'm not sure about it. You know what you should do? Read it, believe it, and settle it. And let the Lord have his way. And walk, There's, this is the kookiest story ever. This is crazy. This is bad. And people are gonna look at you when you explain the scriptures to them, or your negative Nancy within you will look at the scriptures when you read them, and something inside you, some doubting Thomas in your heart will say, I don't know, is heaven real? Is hell real? I just, I doubt sometimes. The Bible says it is. The Bible's very clear. But in my intellectual prowess in 2022, blah, 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 I have questions. I have very good questions. And I have doubts. Okay, what are you gonna do with your questions and doubts? You better have answers, clear answers from God's word. If you were to zoom this out and, and, and run this by the, the professors of the day, hey, professor, we're gonna go take over Jericho. What do you think? Here's our battle plan. Pfft. What do you believe in, fairy tales? You think this is made up. This doesn't work that way. Well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And God's going to test you. Your call's going to be tested. Your obedience is going to be tested. And every time that you find yourself walking in a test, as soon as you pass that test, that test will pass. Right now, what you're dealing with in your life, every single one of you, you're being tested. Everybody is being tested. And it's not so much about what's going on horizontally and the king and the walls and the valiant man and all this stuff. What's really being tested is your faith. It's all that matters. Because faith is more precious to God that, than, than gold that perishes by fire. He says, I don't, I don't really care about all these things. Please don't misunderstand me when I say that, but the things in your life right now are not as important as you think they are. They are very important. They're not going away. You must deal with them. You must walk through this battle. But God is working on deeper levels. He's working on different things. He's working in such a way where he looks at you and says, do you trust me? Well, yeah, yeah, I trust you, but get good. Then do what I said. And if you do what I said, I will do for you what only I can do. You do not want to do this your way. Because if you do, you'll take the credit. You'll take the credit. But this is set up specifically in such a way where as you walk in victory, there's no way you're going to look back at your marriage, look back at your ministry. <laughs> I can't believe it worked. Why, why, why shouldn't it have worked? Because I'm here. It shouldn't have worked, but it worked because God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. 
And whom he called, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of God. He's using the situation you're in right now to circumcise you. He's using the situation you're in right now to tenderize you. He's using the situation you're in right now to conform you to his image. He will give you victory because our God is victorious. This is what he does. This is who he is. This is what he's offered himself to be. And yet he gives to us plans that are not like ours, thoughts that are not like ours, ways that are beyond finding out. And he wants us to have humility, intimacy, listen, and obedience. And all of this is given to Joshua as he leads the children. Guys, let's just get a few more out of this. We're not gonna finish the chapter. I apologize. I don't know what happened. Let me actually just say a few more things. It's my job too. This is an interesting plan. Literally, their obedience, intimacy, and humility would allow God to do what only God could do. Yet, God could do this without them. But he's chosen not to. This is one of the craziest things you'll ever consider. Hey God, can't you just save Newport, Lincoln County? Can't you just start a high school and a middle school on your own? Can't you just do stuff on your own, Lord? Can't you send mission trips to Mexico and build an orphanage? And can't you do stuff on your own? He says, oh no, no, I, I choose not to. I could, I could do all that. But I wanna do it through you. This miracle will happen and it will be only God's credit and God's glory and God's power. But it would not have happened without their participation, without their willingness to show up. Can you imagine how hard it been, would have been for the priests, for the men of war at the front and the back, marching around once? Dude, that was crazy. Those walls were bigger than I thought. Did you see those walls? Dude, I thought I saw somebody peeking out with the sword. I saw just people there. Shoot. And they go back in camp. We gotta do it again tomorrow? We're sitting ducks. This is crazy. He's gonna instruct me just a little bit. By the way, when you're doing this, don't talk. Keep your mouth shut the whole time. He says it three ways. Not a word, don't make a sound, and don't use your voice at all. Because sometimes even if you're not using words or your voice, you're just making sounds. You ever just made sounds in the battle? You know. He says, don't do that. Just, just trust me. Just trust me. I want you to consider this. God is going to have his way in our community, in our town, in our world, in our state, in our country. He's going to do what he's going to do in Jesus' name, okay? But he's going to do it with his church. He's going to do it with men and women who show up early, stay late, see after everything, who listen to the call on their life, who navigate through that difficult time of testing. Did he really call me? Is this marriage really what God wants? Is this ministry what he's really called me to? Because it feels like it's something different now. And Jesus says, did I change? No, but I feel like I'm being dealt with. On a deep level, yeah, you are. Because I want to give you victory. Without him, we can't. Without us, he, that's so fun. So fun. I just want to drive up the road and see a church up there, don't you? <laughs> wow. No, it'll, we, we will one day. One day we'll drive up and see a church. And it's going to have all the DNA of each one of us on it. Blood, sweat, and tears. Everyone doing their part. In all glory. And that it's going to be, it already is. It already is. Such an opportunity right now, every one, one of us, to give God the glory in what he's done in our lives in spite of us, in spite of the king and the walls and the mighty men against us, in spite of the battle, 
He's already done so many things victorious for us, and he's continuing to work on our flesh and on our character to move forward. Notice one more thing before we end today. Verse six, then Joshua, I've got that circled. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests, and he said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant. And then he said to the people, proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. And so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them and the armed men went before the priests and they blew the trumpets and the rear guard came up after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout and then you shall shout. Stop right there, eyes up here. Joshua leaves this meeting with God. God says, see, I've given it to you. Okay, I need a little more explanation than that. And God says, oh, here's how it's gonna go. I want you to march around the city once, go home. Then I want you to do that six days in a row. And on the seventh day, I want you to do it seven times. And on the seventh time, I want you to shout, don't talk during this whole time. Bring the priest, bring the Ark of the Covenant, bring the guys of war in the back, in the front. Do all this, and this is how it's gonna go. Now, at that point, Joshua had a decision to make. Okay. You want me to tell the people this? Yeah, I go tell the people. And immediately he goes, listen, listen. By faith, he declared the word of God to others. And by faith, they rose up and walked in it. Here's my challenge to you, Christian. You need to know God's word. You need to know God's ways. And you need to believe it. But not just that. You need to be like Joshua and share the same vision and the same truth with others. Have you, and I don't have time to develop this, but have you ever found yourself talking to somebody about what God has declared in his word, the truth of God's word, and seen the people looking at you like you are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? Like you believe what? You believe that God spoke and the world existed? You don't believe in the evolutionary theory as is taught in high schools today? You believe that God actually created because he said he created? Yeah, I believe that. And you believe that one day he's coming back and Jesus is right now, he's, he's coming back one day. Yeah, you, you believe that? And then the, and that, that day's very soon and that there's gonna be a thousand year millennial reign and that there's gonna be a, a, a hereafter and a new heaven and a new earth. You believe all that? And have you ever heard yourself even talking? You're like, I can't believe I believe this. I mean, just to be honest with you, have you ever thought to yourself, I can't believe I believe this? Your belief will be tested. Your faith. This story was written for our learning, for our hope, and for our admonition, and for our patience. We have this story so we don't lose faith in the days that we live in. Because God has not changed. God has not changed. He's coming back soon. And he has declared this generation to be the last generation. The generation that sees the fig tree blossom, 1948, okay, would not pass before the coming of the day of the Lord. He's coming back. He's coming back soon. And it's our turn, it's our time, it's our joy to declare that truth to others, to walk and to be a witness. Your faith is very important to you, but it's equally important to the people around you. People are seeing the decisions you're making. They're watching the lives you're living and they're making decisions also if they'll believe or disbelieve based on your obedience, intimacy, humility, and witness. There's a lot going on. All of it matters, everything. And if you feel like you're being tested right now, guess what? It's because you are. Your call will always be tested. What are you gonna do? Listen to God's word. I woke up this morning, I didn't wanna come to church. I thought I had to. And it was just like, Lord, it's gonna be tough. It's tough physically. Three services today. There's a lot to remember, a lot to say, a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people there, a lot of, a lot of things to do. 
I got a lot on my mind outside of these services. A lot going on, Lord. It's just tough. And the Lord said, what are you going to do, Luke? What are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to trust you. I gotta, I'm just going to trust you. My favorite verse in all the Bible is John 6, 68. You guys know that. And the verse goes this way. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it's a question that Peter answers to Jesus that was asked by Jesus when Jesus gave Peter the chance to quit. He said, hey, Pete, you going to quit? It's quitting day. Everyone's quitting. Time to quit. Pete, you want to quit? And Peter said, no. You have the words of eternal life. Where, where else would I go, Lord? Where else would I go? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to the next, the, the, I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to take the next right step. Guys, God is honored in your faith right now. And so honored in, his, in your faith is he that he will present it and expose it to the crucible of testing, the difficulties. Would you with me commit to letting the Lord have his way in you? Let's let him have his way. Let's let him do the work that only he can do. Let's let him bring the walls down. We don't know how to get the walls down, Lord. Duh, let me do it. Let the Lord provide for your needs. Let the Lord do the miraculous. Close your eyes and pray with me, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you. Lord, and what I just said about not wanting to come to church this morning, you know my, you know my heart and you know my weakness. And right now in this moment, Lord, I thank you for bringing me to church. It was you. It was you, Lord. It was you and your word and your promises. It was you and your word and your spirit and your faithfulness. And maybe there's somebody here right now that's, that's just wondering, should I quit? Should I quit this marriage? Should I, should I quit this relationship and this friendship? Should I, should I quit? Just, I feel like quitting. Or, or I feel like not being there. I just feel like, that's how, that's how I feel. That's how I felt this morning. And I thank you for your word, Lord, which said, well, is there anything in, in my word, Luke, that speaks louder than your feeler today? In all of your word speaks louder than my feelers. And so we, Lord, collectively say, would you help us navigate through the difficulties right now? And I also pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, who, who maybe are going through a season of humility and circumcision, that in Jesus' name, would the fruit be intimacy? Please let us run to you. Would the fruit be humility? And Lord, would the fruit be victory? Do these things for us in our lives, our battles. We need you, we implore you, we beg of you. Not just for us, but for onlookers. For the men and women in our families, as it's Christmas season, we're going to see folks. And for the folks that are wondering, is your faith real? Is your God real? And may they see in our lives, as the things of the flesh burn away, that indeed our God is real. That he calls, and he qualifies, and he leads, and he guides. We love you so much, Jesus. We trust you for all things. Prepare us, Lord, for that next service. They're coming in looking for parking spots right now. And also, Lord, prepare us for the meeting tonight. May it be, Lord, for your glory, for our good. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Hey, we'll be here tonight at 6 p.m. praying, worshiping, celebrating, talking about what God's gonna do. I encourage you, if God would put a gift on your heart before the end of the year, that would be between you and the Lord for the glory of God and the good of others. We are doing our best to trust him. God is gonna provide. Other than that, God bless you. We'll see you tonight. You are dismissed.